right. I appreciate that. And it's a pleasure to be a partner in the mission field. How can they hear unless there's a preacher to preach it? And how can they go unless they be sent? Amen. The Bible says, how lovely on the mountain are the feet of them who preach good news. So every preacher has pretty feet. That's what that means. We got really pretty feet. Amen. Well, I want to welcome you to the house of the Lord. Those of you watching online, thank you for being with us. Got good news today. Our website is up and running. We're getting our emails as well as, uh, of course, Facebook and YouTube have always been uh, working, but uh, we finally got that back. I also want to thank Jacob Nelson for that. He's a, he's a whiz on the computer. And how many of you know, I mean, there's God, God has his people doing everything. I mean, there is, uh, we got air conditioner people, we have electronics people, we have fabricating people. Uh, in fact, let me show you some of the fabrication right into what we've been looking at on the keys of the kingdom. I got me a handy little holder today that I'm going to put that right there. There should be four keys there. Now, how many of you remember what we've already looked at? It's taken us two weeks to get four keys but it's, it doesn't matter how long it takes us as long as we know what the keys of the kingdom are. Amen? We could also call these laws of the kingdom because that's what they are. We've been in a series on, uh, how the invisible ki- on, on the invisible kingdom and how the invisible kingdom works. We're calling God's kingdom the invisible kingdom because it's not what we see with our eyes all the time, but it influences what we see in the natural. And that's what Jesus came to do was to influence the change this world, influence the natural with the supernatural. Amen. And every time the super comes on the natural, guess what you get? There you go. You're tracking with me. Now, the keys that we've been looking at, the keys that we've looked at so far have been the key of reciprocity. That means if you do this, God will do that. Second key we looked at was the key of use. If, if you have been given something, you need to use it. I don't care if it's just one talent. Go out there and do something with it. Don't bury it in the ground because it's not going to produce anything. Remember the guy with five got five more. He, got, he gave his master ten. The guy with two got two more, gave his master four. And so that's the way God wants us to do. What, whatever it is, whether it's computers, whether it's speaking, whether it's you know turning knobs, it doesn't matter what it is. Let God use you. Because you are needed. Everybody, everybody is needed. Everybody is valued. Look at your neighbor next to you and say, you're needed. You are needed. Okay, the third thing is called the key of perseverance. Boy, we need this today. Don't quit. Don't get discouraged. Don't grow weary in well-doing. I'm telling you, you need to stay in it. Because it's only those who finish that are going to be rewarded. It doesn't matter how well you start. It matters how well you finish. I don't care if you can drive that ball off the tee and get it on the green. If it takes you nine times to put that thing in there, you're a bad golfer. If you can't finish well, if you can't finish well, are you hearing what I'm saying? You got to finish well. Am I right? Am I right? I I don't know where that came from, but that was good. (laughs) 
The next key I gave you last week was the key of responsibility. The key of responsibility. And uh, I just want you to know that when God gives us something, we need to stay responsible. Be responsible. The, uh, you know, the Bible says this, and I just want to remind us of this. And this is about, th- this is something that's going on actually all over the nation. I don't know about the world, but it's going on all over the nation. Attendance in church is down. It is our responsibility, it is your responsibility to get into church. We can't do that. Nobody can do that for us except us. Amen? And uh, I, just, I say that not as a rebuke. I'm just saying that, that it is our responsibility. The Bible says this, not to forsake the assembling of yourself together as the habit of some is. And especially as you see this day of the second coming nearing. I mean, we need, at church should, churches should be more full at the end of time than ever. And, and uh, it, you know, we don't have to come up with new and slick advertisement or new and slicker things to get people into the church. Because here's the thing, if you do slick stuff to get people into the church, you're going to have to keep doing slick stuff to get them back into the church. Because if that's what is bringing people into the church, that's what you've got to use to keep them. I'm not that gifted. I'm not that talented. I, you know what I'm saying? Uh, attendance attendance is, is not, should not be based off of what's happening at the church, but what's happening with us and Jesus. Amen. And sometimes, church, I want to just say this. I just want to bring you in on this. Sometimes it's not about you. Sometimes it's about the person sitting beside you or behind you or in front of you. Sometimes it's them seeing you here that encourages them, and that's the very thing they needed. And guess what happens if you're not here? They don't get encouraged because it's you. Amen. I just thought I'd let you know that. Amen. And now this week, uh, I've also given you the same outline because we only got through one last week. That was the key of responsibility. So if you have today's outline and you don't have the key of responsibility filled in, go ahead and put that in there. Now we're going to look at the next key. And hold on just a second while I get my key ring changed out here. Can you see those okay? We got five keys up there. I know they're thin and they're kind of looking at one another there, but I want to talk to you now about the key of greatness. Everybody say greatness. Now we're going to look at these two passages of Scripture found in Matthew and found in Luke. We're not going to go there quite yet, but if you will, well, you can go there, but we're not going to read it quite yet. Go ahead and, and open, op, open up to Matthew 18 and then keep your spot and uh, go to Luke chapter 22. And while you're turning there, I just want to say this. Everyone, everywhere, desires to be great in some way. 
Every one of you sitting here listening to me today, every one of you watching online, there is inside every one of us a desire to be great, either a great dad, a great parent, a great wife, a great husband, a great worker, a great evangelist, a great saver of souls, whatever it is. But because of human frailty, any of you parents ever mess up? Any of you husbands ever goof, goof up and all the wives said? And any of, you, any of you wives ever mess up and all of you husbands said, oh, wow, I thought I was going to go. I thought I was going to get nothing. I thought the guys were going to go, mm-mm, not going to go there. You see, because of human frailty, say this, because I'm human and I'm in need of God, I blow it. And this can turn out badly, especially if we think in terms of comparison with others. Can I just free you of something right now? Forget about how many friends on Facebook your friends have. If you have 259 and your friend has 12,562, who cares? And every time that friend posts something, they can sneeze and somebody, they get 10,000 responses. Man, that was an awesome sneeze, buddy. And you can put up some kind of scripture that is encouraging and building people up and you get one. Stop comparing yourself. In fact, I've, now you guys can, you know, judge me on this if you want to, but I've actually renamed Facebook to Fakebook and Instagram to Insta Trash. Just thought I'd tell you that. Now, I know it's not, you know, it's just I don't really, I don't really care about what anybody thinks about anything that I do, except one. Well, maybe two on the front row here. But one in particular is my Father in heaven. And it doesn't matter how, really, listen, it doesn't matter how many people that pastors have in their churches or how big their budgets are. What's really going to matter is in eternity when we stand before God, I want to be able to say to God, like the three pastors that stood before God, the guy with 3,000 people, God said, how many of your people are here? And he said, a 1,000. That's 33%. He had a church of 3,000 and only 1,000 made it. Then he went to the pastor of 500 and he said, how many of your people are here? He said, 250. Well, that's a little bit better. That's an increase of, of a little bit more percent. He's got half, 50%. Then he asked the pastor of 50 people, he said, how many people are here of your church? He said, Lord, I can thankfully say all 50 of them are here. Now, which pastor would you rather be? That very thing happened to me many years ago by a man that came through here who was a missionary and a pastor, and he asked me that question, which pastor would you rather be? Well, I'd like 3,000 people, but I would rather be the guy who gets them all. Because that's the way Jesus is. If he has a hundred in his flock, he's going to leave 99 of them to go get the one who's lost. You see, we want to be great in the kingdom of God, 
But it's not by it's not by numbers, it's not by money, it's not by status, it's not by likes, it's not by any of those things. It's by what Jesus considers as valuable. Look at Matthew chapter 18. You getting anything out of this yet? I love when I can preach myself happy or you know just happier. Now look at this in uh, Matthew 18, 1 through 4. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, look at this question, who then is greatest in the invisible kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven? Now notice what happens. And he called a child to himself, and he set him, that little child, before them. And he said, truly, everybody say, this is the truth. Truly, I say to you, unless you are converted and you become like children, you will not even enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I preached to you a couple weeks ago about how do we enter the kingdom. You got to repent. You got to confess your sin. And then you got to live that life. In keeping with repentance, we got to have fruit on our tree. But as, as when people see you, if you are a Christian, they need to know you look like Jesus. You act like Jesus. You know, God the Father should be saying to Jesus when he looks at David Drew, Jesus, he looks just like you. He's acting just like you. I remember Steve Hill, the evangelist of the Brownsville Revival, would say this often. He would say, if you are not living like Jesus lived, then there's one of two things that needs to happen. And you go by the name of Christian. You either need to change your name or change your ways. Amen? How many of you believe the church of 2022 needs to hear that? Listen, we do not want to be like the world. God does not want us to be like the world. In fact, Jesus said you've got to come out of the world. You've got to come out of the world, the way the world lives, the way the world thinks, the way the world acts, the way the world works. And then you've got to bring this invisible kingdom into the world that has affected your physical life, your spiritual life, your mental life, your emotional life. Amen? You know, Listen to me. A Christian who is falling to pieces needs to get back in the book. I mean, if you're a Christian and you are falling apart emotionally and mentally and physically and all these things, there are things, listen, I'm not trying to get a hold of anybody on it, you know, in, in spankus or anything, but I am saying that a lot of times the Bible, this is what Jesus said, you don't have, not because I don't want to give it to you, you're not asking me for anything. You don't have because you don't ask. And then sometimes you ask and you ask selfishly, so therefore it is hindered and not given to you. Sometimes we ask and then we waver. And we don't get, and that because we're like the waves of the sea, that, that when we see the storms come up, we begin to go, oh my goodness, well, maybe God doesn't want to do that. No, we got to remember the devil is a thief, he's a, kill, he's a killer, he's a thief, he's a stealer, he wants to take, kill, steal, and destroy from us. But Jesus said, I came, I came to give you life and to give it more abundantly. Amen. Look at Luke. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Got to finish it out. Whoever then humbles himself as this child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. 
The Bible says that the Lord is opposed to who? But He gives grace to who? The humble. Little kids are humble. Well, most of the time. You got to learn. They got to learn. They got to learn humility, but you understand what Jesus is saying. They trust. There's an honest trusting that they have from the very beginning. Now, now let's slip over to, to Luke 22. You getting, you getting where I'm heading with this? Look at Luke 22, verses 24 through 27. And there arose also a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Everybody say, we're not like the world. But let him who is the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Now, who is greater than Jesus among the disciples? Nobody. He's the leader. And yet, the leader, the last act of humility that he performs is he takes up a basin full of water with a towel. And I want you to understand the mode of travel in those days was foot traffic and animal traffic. And animals, when, when they're trafficking, if you've ever ridden an animal, they leave behind little presents <clears throat> that you have to dodge. And if you don't dodge them and you go into them, they land on your traveling uh, mode, your feet. So you can imagine... Don't raise your hands on this, but, you know, how many of you already live with somebody? Maybe you got a teenager in the house, and their feet stink. Well, I'll guarantee you, these dudes, their feet stunk. We're talking about a climate similar to Phoenix in the desert. We're talking about dirt. We're talking about manure. We're talking about sweat. We're talking about on and on, and it goes. And Jesus literally took a basin, a water bowl, and he took and cleaned those dirty, filthy, odious, stinking disciples' feet. But yet, the disciples are still on last day. Who's the greatest? I remember a boxer who used to say that. I am the greatest. Until he wasn't. Until he got beat. You see, there will always be someone ahead of you. There will always be someone behind you. And that's the problem with comparison. So, if you want to become great, you've got to become like two things, a child and a servant. So, I'm going to share with you this morning what that means. First of all, how many of us could really say we've become as a child? Don't raise your hands. 
How many of us today, on August 21, 2022, could say right now, I'm living for God like a child? And people today, we can hear this and we don't quite grasp it. You know, sometimes we can say, well, that may have been truth back then in Jesus' day, but he didn't realize what it was going to be like in the year 2022. That may be all right for the church, but, but you know, you'll get killed living like that in the real world. Come on, church. No, Jesus was describing how to live in the real world. The real world is not the visible world. It's bringing the invisible world of God into the visible world of man. And if you're honest, you have to admit that these remarks are true of 21st century people today. Knowledge has exploded all over the planet. Greatness today is measured by how much we can get, how much we can keep, how many friends we have, how, many, how, how successful we are. A little child wouldn't have a chance in such a world. Would he? Most people rationalize that way, and we are all in a mess as a result. We need to look again at the, 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 the key called greatness in the kingdom of God, and that is that we must become like a child. And that means what, he's, what Jesus is saying is there's three things. I think I've got these on your outline. We've got to become on your number one, become like a child and become like a servant. On letter A, three qualities children have. Number one, they're trusting. Number two, they're teachable. And number three, they're humble by and large. Take the first quality, trust. All children trust their parents. They have to. They rely upon them trusting that they are not going to give them poison. You know, if you being evil know how to give your kids good things, I mean, if your kid asks for an egg, you're not going to give him a snake. And as they grow, that trust grows. So as a child living for God, check our trust level. Do you trust your Father? Do you trust your Heavenly Father that even when, even when it doesn't seem like He's hearing you, even when it doesn't seem like the prayers are being answered, do you still trust that God's got your back? God's got our back. He's got our sides. And literally, He is in front of us if we will watch Him. We've got to learn to trust God. That is the first step toward greatness, everybody. Say this, trust is the first step toward greatness. Seek first His kingdom and what? All these other things are going to be added to you. Secondly, you got to be teachable. Kids are teachable. Above all else, a child will listen to someone. Their appetite for learning is gigantic. They ask a lot of questions. They're, they ask, you know, Daddy, where does God live? You know, Daddy, why is the sky blue? On and on it goes. And children don't act like they know something if they don't. Do you know what? It is better to admit your ignorance than to prove it. <laughs> See, I don't know. 
It's okay to say, I don't know, because that's the way we're going to learn. Amen? And humble, pride is not an issue with children. They're free to be free. They, they wear no masks. They're innocent. They're transparent. They're genuine. Become like them, and you're on the path to greatness. Can you say amen? And a great person puts away skepticism. They become open. They will try new ideas that God gives them. They will try new uh, New, new methods. You see, in our world, if someone hurts us, you just want to hurt them back. God said, pray for them. He said, no, Lord, I want to go kick them. And he's like, no, pray for them. But kicking them would make me feel better. He's like, no, it won't. You become like them if you act like them. And then the father's going to go, you know what, Jesus, they're not acting like you. He's like, I know. He's a, he's a tough case right now. Do you know what? You don't have to be right all the time. Be able to learn from God. Be able to learn from people. Be able to learn from circumstances. The second thing Jesus taught was that the secret to greatness is becoming a servant. Serving. We must become servants. It's so opposite to the way our society lives. What happens is society soon takes over our teaches our kids that they need to be somebody. But Jesus said, be a child if you really want to be somebody. Servants, meanwhile, usually hate their position. They want to get to the place where they have servants. But Jesus said, become a servant if you want to be great. That makes us really ask, do I really want this? Do you know what Jesus would tell his disciples before he would choose? Do you know he would often do this? Remember the rich young ruler? Count the cost. Well, Lord, I've, I've kept all the law from my birth up. And Jesus said, you know what? There's only one thing you lack. He was really impressed with him. He said, what you need to do, what I'm going to ask you to do. And God doesn't ask this of everybody. He asked, him of the, he asked the young, rich young ruler this. He said, what you need to do is go take everything you own, sell it. Give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And the Bible said, it's sad, really. The Bible said that that man walked away sad. He couldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. He could have done it. He chose not to do it because he was wealthy. We often overlook counting the cost Take management and labor relations, for example. Few managers have any true desire to be a servant to those who work under them. They want them to work for them. And that's why there's labor management issues. Because management doesn't understand labor. Are you hearing me? And they treat them like servants. 
And few laborers will accept the slightest hint that they're supposed to do their job in the way the job description says. Sometimes the servant thinks, I know more than the manager. And sometimes maybe they do. Can I venture off into politics for just a second? Not specifically, but generally. Politicians smile when they're referred to as a public servant. But I want to ask you this question. Do they prefer to serve or do they prefer being a celebrity? Depends upon the politician. You see, Henry Ford learned this principle. He wanted to make inexpensive, inefficient transportation available to as many people as possible, and he came up with the Model T. And before long, he was serving thousands with inexpensive transportation. And the more he served, what happened? Do you know what happened? The more he served, the more money he made. And the greater his business became. And he became the greatest figure in the automobile industry in his day. But soon, what happened is, is his predecessors forgot that principle and money-making was priority rather than service, and the Japanese passed us by and concentrated on serving the customers and gave them the best product on the road. Every one of us likes to go into a business, whether it's a restaurant or a clothing store or a car dealership or a grocery store, and receive excellent service. It rarely happens anymore today, but we all like to do that. Now, I I will go back to a place that serves me well, even if I have to pay a little bit more. Because do you know what that does for business? It boosts it. People start telling their friends, man, go to that place. Before you know it, sales have skyrocketed. And listen very closely now. That same principle works in the church. Are you with me? Man, we're only going to get through one today. That's okay. We're going to take our time. I need to, I'm, I'm saying that more for me probably than for you. But church, listen to me. I want this church, I don't care how big we are, listen to me. I want us to be a place of greatness. I want us to do what we do in excellence. There was an excellent spirit on Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's why they were elevated. When you serve at your job, serve in excellence. You know, there's something missing in our world today that we were taught as kids, and somehow it's gone out the window. Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. When did we ever lose that? In fact, I remember teaching our children this, and some people in the church would say, I'm not ma'am. Don't call me miss. Don't call me missus. No, 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 no. Call me... Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And it's like, no, 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 I'm not a sir. I'm, don't, don't, do, don't do that. What it is is it's honor. Do you know we're actually specifically commanded in God's word to honor those who have white hair? The hoary head, H-O-A-R-Y, white. Why? Because you've earned it. 
Every one of you sitting here and you've got gray hair, hair on your head, you've earned them, you've learned, you've gone through things, you know things, you can teach these young people. From the beginning of God's revelation to man, God has held forth a principle that flows naturally in and out of the concept of serving. You know what? Many marriage issues have this as a problem. A lot of times what happens is, and it's not just the guy, sometimes it can be the, the lady, but the guy can think, well, you need to serve me. This is my house. I'm the king. This is my castle. Kicks his feet up on the recliner or the footstool and says, you know, kind of like the old song, cook me up some bacon and some beans. Go put another log on the fire. Get out there and go get the mail. Come on, woman. Do all that stuff I need you to do. Now tell me why you're leaving me. Well, dude, she's not your servant. She's your helpmate. I'm going to say that again. Help mate. Well, what are you saying, Pastor? She's to help you do what God's called you to do and told you to do. Question to you, what has he been telling you to do? You see, sometimes there's a marriage issue because there's a leadership issue and roles get messed up. Responsibility gets messed up. And I am here to announce to you today, when there is a husband and a wife, there are different roles. Those have not fallen out of the sky either because God still has those roles. Do you know who the priest of the family is? Is it the woman or is it the, is it the husband or is it the wife? It's the husband. He's to be the priest. A priest, what a priest did, the priest isn't God. The priest is a mediator between God and man. Jesus is the high priest. He's a mediator between God the Father and sinful man. That means he comes before God for us. You know what the Bible says that Jesus is doing right now? Sitting at the right hand of the throne of the Father. Do you know what he does? He ever lives to make intercession for you and me. He's praying for me. Question to us us guys, us, us husbands, us dads, are you praying for those under your charge? Need to pray for them every day. Need to pray for them every day. And ladies, listen to me. If you don't like what God, what your, what your husband's doing, you need to stop hammering him, and you just need to talk to God. The Bible talks a lot. You go into the book of Proverbs, and Samuel, Solomon, I mean, Solomon knew what he was talking about. He had like 700 wives and 300 concubines. I mean, this dude, he had too many ladies. That's why God just 
a man and a woman. That's it. Solomon, you messed up. Stop it. But he talks about how the, the, uh, the words of a, a wife that just keep on, it's, it's like a, a dripping, a constant dripping. How many have ever heard something and it's just constantly dripping and you're like, man, shut that off. That's where some guys are with wives because they don't ever stop. Please don't throw hymnals at me or pins or anything like that, ladies. I'm just saying to you today that there, it goes both ways. We've got marriage issues because we have Bible issues. We have problems understanding what God has to say, and all we've got to do is open the book and read it and do it. Really, really, listen to me. Counseling is simply bringing you back to the Word of God and do what the Word of God says. And here's the problem. If you come back and I've counseled you and you haven't done what I've said to do before, there's no new news. The new news is this. Have you done what I said to do? Well, I tried to do it, but it didn't work, so I stopped doing it. No, what you've got to do is you've got to get back in there. Persevere, man. Go in there and Persevere. I can't tell you how many times when things don't work the way I want them to work or when when the pastorate doesn't go the way I want to, there's the temptation to just say, forget it all and let's just go fishing or something. But I don't have that luxury. God says, get in the book. You got problems? Get on your knees. Lord, I don't know what to do. Do you know that the kings of Israel were there before and they would simply say, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Here's what the enemy's doing. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Let's call in the people and begin to pray. And so they begin to call the people in to begin to pray. Guys, if you don't know what to do, call your wife to pray. Call your, your, your children to pray. Get on your face, begin to pray. Begin to fast. Forget the meal. Say, you know what? Here's what's for supper tonight. This is what's for supper tonight. We're not, it's this and this. We're not eating tonight. We're going to fast tonight. You know what? You say, I don't know if I can fast. Just start with one meal. You say, fast the lunch. Fast the lunch on tomorrow's meal and pray for America. Pray for the church. Pray for your family. Pray for your job. Pray for the leaders. Just one meal. Amen. So I don't know how to lose weight. Fast. Well, I'm going all over the place. I need to quit. But this key of greatness, God wants us to be great too. It's just not in the way we think. Let's do this as putting rubber to the road of what we've learned today. I know this, there was just one key, but... Would you do this all week long, every day this week, at least once a day? Whether it's your spouse, whether it's your friends, whether it's somebody you know, maybe you're going to be at a store. Would you just find one thing to do a day to serve somebody? Just one. Just start with one. You know what's going to happen? You're going to find the one, and then it's going to... it's. It's going to feel so good. You're going to go, man, this, this is what I need to be. I need to be serving people. What would happen in our world, in the United States of America today, if every one of us lived like that? Do you know what would happen? I'm going to get on my soapbox a bit again. Drivers would be nice. 
They wouldn't have to be first at the stoplight. They wouldn't have to be first to cut in front of you. They'd let you in. The checkout lady who's rude to you, I'll guarantee you she's probably had 100 people be rude to her. And she's just looking for one. Even if she's rude to you, to just be nice to her. And say, you know what? Looks like you're having a tough day. Really want you to know I'm so glad that you've served me so well today. Thank you. People are craving it. And God said, that's what we're called to do. Serve. You'll never go wrong serving. In fact, it'll just elevate. It'll elevate you in the kingdom. It'll make you great in the kingdom. Hallelujah. Boy, that makes me happy. I just felt the Holy Spirit just fly through my heart right there. Lord, help us to serve. Serve our spouse, serve our kids, serve our family, serve our church, serve our, uh, our world. Really serve. To pick up a basin and a bowl of water and a towel like you did, literally. How you literally did it. Let us do that, Lord, in a real way in our world today, we pray. In Jesus' name, and if that's your prayer, just say amen. Amen. Love you guys. God bless you. Appreciate your attention today. Come back next Sunday. It just keeps getting better and better. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great week.